Well, I hope this message series has been helpful to you so far. I hope what it's done is it has been able to give you a pattern which is there to help shape your prayer life. When we pray, we don't just simply come to God with a list of requests. God does call us to bring our requests to him, don't get me wrong. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4 verse 6, to be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer, supplication and thanksgiving, to make our requests known unto God. But when all we do is come to God with a shopping list, we end up getting disillusioned when God doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we think he should. That's why when God tells us to start our prayers by praying our Father, it's a reminder to us that we enter into a deep and intimate relationship with Almighty God. And it is through prayer that that relationship is ultimately cultivated. He is not a genie in a bottle who is simply there to grant our wishes. Rather, he is a loving Heavenly Father who desires to know us intimately. Do you know him today? Last week, we spent some time looking together at the line of this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And we discussed together that God does call us to come to him with our needs. When we have things on our heart which we want him to answer, he calls us to lay them before him. But we also discussed that bread in the Bible represents so much more than just our physical needs. We talked about the fact that the bread reminds us that we are called to rely on a relationship with him. We talked about the fact that bread in the Bible reminds us that we are part of his family, that we are called to his body. And today we come to the part of this prayer, which is perhaps for many of us the most challenging part of it today, the idea of forgiveness. What's the greatest barrier, I wonder if you were asked, to a relationship ultimately with God, but also with others in our lives? Well, the Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. If you forgive anyone, I will also forgive them. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware of his schemes. There are many things in our life which rob us of the abundant life that Jesus calls us to have. There are many things in life which the devil tries to stop us in our tracks and use to distance ourselves from God and others. And I want to suggest today that the biggest way that the devil does that is through unforgiveness. Nothing keeps a person in bondage to their past more than a willingness to not forgive people. Nothing gives Satan a greater opportunity to stop the church growing than roots of bitterness and unforgiveness, which can be that of pride. I mean, just for a second, and I don't want to unduly upset anyone this morning, but just for a second, I want to encourage you to think of maybe the worst thing that anyone has ever done to you. For some listening to this today, some of the things which have happened in your life are almost unspeakable. You have suffered at the hands of others tremendously. And when we talk about the idea of forgiveness, even the idea of forgiving that person who has hurt you makes you feel incredibly angry. Why should I forgive that person? Forgiveness isn't easy. But what we see from scripture is that forgiveness is something which is required of us by God. Jesus says these words in Matthew 6, 9 to 15. 
This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You see, our relationship with God is inextricably linked with our relationship with other people. It's almost impossible to have a righteous relationship with God when you are in isolation from righteous relationships with other people. And for us, the key to an abundant life is learning to relate to others the way in which God relates to us. Jesus continues, if we were to look a bit further in this passage together, by saying, for if you forgive men what they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. God relates to us ultimately in two ways, as judge and as Father. And if you're listening to this today and you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Everything that you have done, past, present and future, has been wiped clean. Jesus has sorted it out by dying on a cross. You are a forgiven person. So there is no longer an issue with God as judge. What is at stake is your relationship with God as father. If there are people in your life who you have not yet forgiven, God won't let you be comfortable until you do. In other words, your destiny is secure, but what is at stake is your daily victory. Forgiveness, therefore, is essential to our freedom. That is why it's so important to God, and that's why he calls us when we pray to be reminded of this. The most definitive teaching in the Bible when it comes to the subject of forgiveness is found in Matthew 18, 21 to 25, which says these words, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, not seven times. 77 times. Jesus is not suggesting that we kind of keep a book and we tick off every time someone hurts us until we reach that magic number 77 and then say, right, you've had your chance, that's it. What he is saying is that forgiveness should be a continuous thing. God does not want his children to languish in the bitterness and be bound to the past. To put it in some perspective, we do need to understand our own debt. There's this account in the Gospels where a Pharisee named Simon throws a party and he invited a lot of people to the party, including Jesus. And a woman who the Bible describes as having led a sinful life slips into this party uninvited. And when she's there, she gets down on her knees and she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her tears. And then she dried them with her hair and anointed her feet with oil. The host was outraged. Does Jesus not know who this woman is? And yet he is letting her do this to him? Jesus turned to him and said, supposing someone had a debt of 50 pounds, and there was another person who had a debt of 5,000 pounds, and both people were let off. Which one would be most grateful? Which one would love more? And the Pharisee turned and he said, well, I suppose the one who's been let off the most. Jesus said, that's right. You see this woman, when I entered your house, you didn't wash my feet. She's washed them with her tears. When I entered 
your house. He didn't give me anything, but yet this woman has not stopped kissing my feet since I arrived, and she anointed them with oil. You didn't do that. This woman had baggage from her past, and she ultimately knew that she couldn't stand on her own. She knew that she needed Jesus to wipe away all of the tears and all of the things from her past, all of the sin, all of the hurt, all of the pain. She sought Jesus out. Just like this woman, we need to understand the magnitude of what Jesus has done for us. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 64 verse 6 that our righteousness, the good things in our life, are like filthy rags when it comes to God. You see, without Christ, we all stand condemned. And it's quite easy to look at our lives and think to ourselves, well, I've never killed a person. I've never done any of the horrendous things that we read about in the news. And humanly speaking, we tend to judge some sins worse than other sins. But all sin, no matter what it is, effectively is our way of saying, stuff you, God. I want to do this on my own. I don't want anything to do with you. I want to go my own way. And as a result of that, everything that we have done which has offended a holy God needs forgiveness. And for us, the repayment options of the debt is too much on our own. The debt is simply too big. So as a result, mercy is required. Justice can be summed up as rightness or fairness. And to administer justice is to give each individual what they deserve. God is a just God, but God is also a merciful God, and he found a way to forgive us and to accept us as his own, even when we didn't deserve it. The punishment that should have fell upon us, Jesus took. So at Calvary, justice was served, and mercy was also given. The reason we are called to forgive is because we have been forgiven. And all the baggage of the past, everything that we so often carry around with us, Jesus has took it and cut it off from us if we allow him to do so. So what does it mean to truly forgive from the heart? It means going against our British culture and saying a quick, well, I forgive so-and-so, but inwardly still carrying all the hurt and all the baggage and all the pain of that thing that we have faced around with us. There are many stories over the years of people that have shown remarkable forgiveness in the midst of unspeakable pain. I think I've shared this story a while ago at church, but a few years ago in an Amish community in America, someone burst into a school and gunned down all of the children. And a few weeks later on the news, the mother of one of the dead children was interviewed. And she said, we forgive the killer. The person doing the interview couldn't understand it. And she said, well, how on earth? Can you forgive someone who's done such a horrendous thing? And her response was, we pray the Lord's Prayer every single day. You see, forgiveness is not a feeling. If forgiveness was a feeling, none of us would ever, ever forgive anyone. Forgiveness starts with a decision. For that community... It was reminding themselves by praying this prayer that the Lord calls us to forgive. And in doing so, in praying that prayer, they made a conscious decision to follow Jesus and do so too. Forgiveness is not about brushing what has happened under the carpet and pretending it's not there. 
Forgiveness starts with acknowledging the pain in our hearts and the ache that we have before God. It means bringing it to him and then making the choice that we will forgive out of the acknowledgement that God is good. One of the reasons that a biblical understanding of forgiveness is so important is because ultimately it's the way to stop pain. When we have been hurt by someone, usually it really hurts. And without trivialising a situation, Imagine a woman who has been left by her husband for someone else. That is undoubtedly going to cause that woman an incredible amount of pain. She may well say, I'm just not ready to forgive at this point in time. But ultimately, carrying that unforgiveness means effectively saying, by staying angry, I'm getting my own back. But the truth of the matter is that the person who has wronged us is probably not even thinking about it. He's probably halfway around the world getting on with his life. The fact that a person stays bitter and hurt and resentful doesn't affect the perpetrator at all. The only person that it affects is the victim. It's like walking past a fisherman who is casting his line out one day, and as he draws his line back and the, the, the line goes back with a hook on it, the person walking past gets hooked by the line in the cheek. It wasn't their fault that as the fisherman threw his line back that the hook got cast into their cheek. But how do they get rid of the pain? By removing the source of the pain. By taking the fish hook out of their cheek. It's easy to say that forgiving someone means letting them off the hook. But the reality is they were never the ones on the hook. By forgiving, by not forgiving, we stay hooked to the hurt and the past and the pain which has caused us so much damage. We talked about the fact that forgiveness starts with a decision. What else is forgiveness? Well, forgiveness is not forgetting. It's easy to point out, well, God forgets sins. And it's true that the Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 31, 34, I will remember your sins no more. But the word used doesn't mean that God forgets. He is all-knowing. He couldn't forget even if he wanted to. Rather, what God is saying is that he puts our sin as far as the east is from the west and he won't take it and use it against us anymore because he is forgiven. And if someone hurts a friend, for example, and two years later that friend turns around and they say, oh, you remember that thing that you did? What they're actually saying is I still haven't forgiven you because they bring up the past and use it against you. So part of a commitment of forgiving is saying, I'm going to let go of this. I'm not going to bring it up anymore. I'm going to lay it to rest and leave it in the past. Forgiveness also doesn't mean that we tolerate sin. God forgives, but he doesn't tolerate sin. And this is the difficult part of the forgiveness process, particularly when someone has sinned against us continually. And the thing is, just because you have forgiven someone doesn't mean that there is still not a punishment that needs to be faced. The Bible teaches us in Romans 13, for example, that we're meant to submit to the governing authorities. They've been placed there to protect us and to protect us from situations of hurt. So it is perfectly possible to forgive a person whilst handing them over to the authorities for the law to take its course. God is a just God and justice still had to be served when Jesus died on the cross for us. 
And if you are someone who has been constantly wronged and constantly abused or constantly sinned against, you are perfectly within your rights to remove yourself from a situation and, if needed, to let the police do what needs to be done. That is not inconsistent with forgiveness. Forgiveness also means not seeking revenge. Our natural reaction when someone hurts us is to lash out and hurt the perpetrator. But we're told in the book of Romans 12 verse 19 that it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. It's easy to look at this world and think, well, why do wicked men prevail? And that's certainly a question that the psalmist asked time and time again. It's easy to look at people who hurt us and think they need to pay. But let me say this morning, justice delayed is not justice denied. The Bible makes it clear that there will be a time and there will be a day where everyone will stand before the true judge and give an account for their actions. So choosing to forgive is taking a step of faith and putting your trust in a God who is righteous to be true to his word and be the just judge that the Bible says he is. Forgiveness, ultimately, is to set the captive free and then realise that we were the ones who were captive. Forgiveness is an issue between us and God. He commands us to forgive. He loves us and he wants the best for our life. He knows that bitterness and unforgiveness defiles us and others. This is not about who is right and who is wrong. It's about clearing the rubbish out of our lives and walking free from the past hurts and the past pains and the things that we hold on to. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins. Each and every one of us has thought things wrong, said things wrong, and done things wrong, which the Bible calls sin. We all have regrets and things that we look back on and think, I wish I had acted in that way. Things that we are ashamed of. Friends, there is good news today. And in a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to respond and lay your sin before a holy God. You can be free of all of your past, all of the hurt that you have caused, and have a fresh start. But if we want to be a people who truly experience freedom, it also means praying the second part of the passage too. As we forgive those who sin against us. Because all the time, we are holding on to the hurts and the pains of the past. It weighs us down. And in choosing to forgive, will things get better instantly? Probably not. Will you suddenly feel the burden lift and everything is all right from that point on? Probably not. In fact, you'll probably find yourself coming back to this point time and time again and making a conscious decision to forgive. But each time you do, it gets a little lighter. Each time you do, you experience a little bit more of the freedom that Jesus wants you to have. And each time you do, the journey gets easier. I want to finish this morning with a story. In 1993, a mother lost her son when O'Shea Israel shot him dead in an argument at a party. Her initial reaction was that she wanted justice. She wanted him to pay for his crime, which he did. After serving 17 years of his 25 and a half year sentence, he was released from the jail and returned back to his old neighbourhood, right next door to Mary. This was not an accident, but by a remarkable act of mercy, a few years prior to his release, Mary, the mother, 
was overcome by the conviction to forgive him. So she set out to do just so through the course of several meetings. After some time, she was able to not only forgive him, but help him upon his departure from prison. In fact, they don't just live close to each other, they're close in spirit. Mary gives God the glory with her ability to be able to forgive from this tragedy. She said, unforgiveness is like a cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about the other person. Me forgiving does not diminish what he has done. Yes, he murdered my son. But forgiveness is for me. It's just for me. I'm going to pray. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus for yourself this morning, to pray this prayer with me. And then I want to pray for anyone who is watching this, who is struggling in some way, shape or form with the idea of forgiveness. And I want you to pray with me too. So why don't we just bow our heads, wherever we are, wherever we're watching this right now. And let's pray this morning. Father God, your word calls us to ask forgiveness. And today, we come before you and we ask that you forgive us for all the wrong things we have thought, said and done. We are sorry. And we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for me, for my sin, to pay the price. And Lord God, today I take hold of the forgiveness that Jesus gives me. Come into my life and make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning with me, what I'd love you to do now is in the comment section of either Facebook or YouTube, just write, I prayed that prayer. And what will happen is that online pastor that we've got looking after our chat today will contact you. We would love to help you on your journey with Jesus. Equally, if you've made a recommitment to Jesus this morning, do the same right now. I'm going to pray a blessing over those who are struggling with forgiveness now. So let's bow our heads again and let's pray again. Lords, I want to pray for anyone watching this this morning who is holding on to hurts of the past. And I pray, Father God, that right now, Holy Spirit, wherever people are at, they'll feel your presence and your peace. Lord, will you convict us of our need to forgive? Will you help us, Lord? Forgiveness doesn't come naturally to us. But I pray, Father God, that this morning, in Jesus' name, that you will lighten the burden. Lord, if tears have to flow right now, Lord, allow them to flow. Lord, I pray, Father God, that today might be a new day and a new start for people, that they can be free from their past, that they can take the fish hook out of their mouth and walk with you. Lord, will you bless everyone watching this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.